Welcome to Humanize IT, where technology experts meet to discuss business strategy, industry trends, how we can make IT more personal with conversations, not presentations, and occasionally engage in a laugh or two. In this episode of Humanize IT, we really talk about a subject that we have no clue what we're doing in, and that is sales. So we brought an industry expert, Steven Rosenthal, to talk to us about how sales affect businesses and how they affect your day-to-day operations, as well as in entrepreneurship, what does this mean? And we even dive into how throughout the years we have discussed different ways that sales have gone right and gone wrong in product development. So stay tuned for this episode of Humanize IT. Is there a subject I know less about? I mean, I know more about lo- my little ponies <laughs> than I know about sales, which well, is actually... This is how bad I, it is when, when you started talking to me about it and, you know, you said topics we've never talked to. I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking about it. And it, it dawned on me in two ways how bad it was. Uh, one, I never thought of it. That That's how bad it was. I never thought of sales when you said it. And I was like, oh my God. Exactly. That's right. And that's the problem is IT guys never think about we sales. Never. This is what we do. Yes. <laughs> Steven, what do, you, what, do you, what do you think? Why, why don't we think about sales? Uh, my head is saturated in sales. So this is just like not computing in my brain at all. <laughs> so you're the last guy I'm going to approach at a party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're saying. <laughs> you're that guy uh, with a yeah. wallet full of, uh, of, of cards <laughs> with a, with a, with a, with a hungry look on his eyes. Like, okay, who, who's the target? Oh boy. <laughs> I, oh boy. I have tried the sales role, uh, many, many times in my career. And uh, every time I do it, it is just so hard. And it is so mentally draining. I, I get home from sales engagements and I, I, can't, I can't even speak. You know, it's like I need, I need a dark room. No, 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 no visual stimulation or whatever. I've got to have complete silence and, all, and, and try to recover from the sales experience. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, (laughs) I, uh, I would say I am with you. I I think I understand that. Um, I would say a a lot of, a lot of this is about the, um, kind of the, the whole mentality with that boxers use when you get hit, it's almost utilizing that situation as a source of motivation. Mm. So definitely takes, uh, takes a lot of practice. I think, you know, my, personal story. My dad threw me in, um, you know, we go to, we go to a, grew up in a church and he, I was like, Hey, I need a, I need a job. You know, I'm 14 years old. I felt like I needed a job. Uh He's like, well, he's like, there's plenty of people there on Sunday that you can go and talk to. So I prospected, (laughs) found a a business owner of a landscaping company and walked up to him and was like, Hey, I'm looking for a summer job. Is there any chance, you know, you've got, you know, maybe just like a mulch laying or wheelbarrow? He was like, the fact that you're approaching me here on Sunday asking for this, you're going to be a door knocker. I was like, all right. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So my career started at 14 when people curse you out, knocking on doors, 25 (laughs) doors an hour. (laughs) 25 doors an hour. Oh, my gosh. Well, But it is a personality, uh, too. So one of my aha moments is... um, Many years ago, uh, working for a company, I'm, I'm one of the executives there, one of the senior executives. And so uh, we have a big engagement going on. We do this every year. It started off as a vendor social, and then it just turned it into 
a big party. Uh, but everybody looked forward to it. And so it's this big deal. It's going on and it runs late into the evening, uh, it, you know, fairly expected. And at some point, it's, it's at our offices, right? Uh, so a lot of people in, the, in, you know, common areas and such. But at some point, I sneak off to my office. Um, I've got a desk light on, but the overhead lights are off. I'm sitting there just going, oh my gosh, I need a breather. And, uh, you know, one of the consultants that we worked with at the time, and definitely a sales guy, I mean, far, far, definitely a sales guy, he walks in and he sits down and he needs a breather too, all right? But it's so funny because we needed breathers for different reasons. Reasons I was overstimulated because it was too much. I mean, in a kind of a negative way. He was overstimulated because it was too much in a positive way. Yeah, <laughs> we were like at the so opposite excited. ends of he's the like, spectrum, but we needed a like, break. I can't run through this wall right now. I need to kind of come down off the high a little bit. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but I, I would say, um, and I wanted to make sure I slipped this in right off the top, um, the topic of sales in people's minds is obviously very polarizing, especially those who have never had a role. Like I think, Skip, you mentioned you've had a role. Adam, being a business owner, you've 100% had a role in sales. No way. We don't do sales here. I just kind of <laughs> wait for things to fall into but my I, lap. <laughs> I would say I feel like the like a, the the best salespeople are very human. Um, mm -hmm. and very much so focused on uh, the other, the other person involved in that, um, that situation. I mean, and people listening, you know, if you're thinking about either if you've, you know, business owner purchased software, or if you're just, you know, uh, never really been in a position where you're dealing with, um, you know, vendors and potentially just buying a car for your personal use, the best sales people that stick out in your mind are definitely those people that cared about you, cared about like what you wanted and then aligned something that they could offer to that. Um, and I think that's where I personally derive a lot of my motivation. I wanted to kind of set the tone there a little bit on the front end of like, it's gotta be focused on other people and out of great intention for other people. Otherwise you go into the other polar opposite, which is like the sleazy mm -hmm. car salesperson mm -hmm. image that we have. Uh, that a lot of people have when they think about salespeople. Um, the other thing too is not all of them are in, are extroverted. You know, I'm an introverted guy myself. You know, I love working alone in this office. And you know, yesterday spent <clears throat> the entire day in spreadsheets and was happy as as a clam. You know, <laughs> but uh, but there is definitely when I'm in a sales situation it's most draining for me when I'm not, when I'm only thinking about what I want or only thinking about myself and how I can get what I want out of that call. It's draining. It's not a fun experience. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, I'm a, I'm a weird person because I'm, um, I feel like I, I was extroverted and I started moving into like being more introverted as I started. It's cause I've been working at home or working at this remote office for so long by myself. I have not been in an office environment for over four years. I've kind of started to like it. And in the beginning it drove me nuts because when it comes to um, like your tipping points or your, your personality profiles, I am a get from Gallup standpoint. I am a working with others guy. Like I scream it and uh, a connector. And so I'm out there and I love talking to people. I love networking but I really, really hate sales. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll sit there and learn about your business. I will learn about what's going on. I love learning about other people and 
integrating stories and finding ways to relate. Um, and the, in, but in the end, like I was always horrified about the idea of like knocking on doors about mm -hmm. approaching somebody and trying to give them calling. something or get, sell them on something. Uh, if you told me, Hey, I need you to go out into this room of a hundred people and I want you to get to know as many of them as possible. No problem. No problem. I'm in there and I will have the stories of 10 of them and three of them will be buying drinks and laughing around a table within the next 20 minutes. But if you ask me to go knock on random doors and say, Hey, would you like to buy this lawn service? I would be your worst salesperson ever. Cause I'd be like, knock, knock, knock. No, is that going? No. <laughs> Well, it's that personality type, and, and Stephen, I think you really uh, hit on that well. And uh, in my experience, you know, what, one of the areas that I excelled in was when I realized that I was only a mediocre salesman at best. And um, but where I could really empower the organization was come alongside really good salesmen, and I could provide that technical support that they needed, that that translation between business and technology. I was really good at that. And so uh, I've had the opportunity to work, I say all that to say, I've had that opportunity to work with uh, several really good sales professionals over the years. And there is such a true distinction between people just trying to turn a dollar and people trying to solve a problem. So I, I love your analogy there, although there's one problem with it. If we go with it pretty hard, it, it makes it out that I must be a selfish robot. Um, and I, I guess maybe that analogy is okay because I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> now I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a question out there for Stephen. Put you on the spot. Uh, maybe a little bit of your secret sauce since you run a sales company is uh, for business owners and IT people out there. What what is um, what is the number one mistake they're making when it comes to sales? And well, I think tying it into what Skip just said, as a as an IT professional, and you know I had experience in a variety of different software and IT companies. So seeing this firsthand is like the inclination to go down the tech route and to go with what you're comfortable with. So as an IT professional, you're more comfortable talking about server specifications or the graphics card on a new laptop than asking for the order, you know, or then painting a picture and knowing in the back of your mind that you're going to actually help them get there and have to sell a bunch of times to get them there. You know, it's very easy to kind of get down into the weeds. And I find that's for myself. You know, I'm not above that at all. I find myself and actually some of the sales guys that report to me challenge me on it regularly because I, I go to the weeds when I'm not feeling it, you know, and, and that's where I'm comfortable in some, some situations. Um, What's that number one mistake? I like think the expectation of growing and building a great business without putting yourself in an uncomfortable position. Oh, wow. Um, and without focusing on what do I need to do to get there? It's like, it's all well and good to say you want a $10 million MSP, but to have $10 million coming in, that's 40 to a hundred million dollars mm -hmm. of conversations and $90 million of lost revenue. You know that you weren't. But able to if get I have yet. the best product, people will just come, right? <laughs> I wish it were that easy, and uh, that's where you go towards the product-led growth marketing route, <laughs> which is a whole nother, um, a different type of uncomfortability, because then you've got to be super honest about your product and 
and let the market tell you that you know your baby's ugly. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but uh, I would a face not even a mother could look. You, you, you talked about <laughs> that right. uncomfortability, um, you know, and, and to be able to take that risk. You know, I worked. I had the um, the uh, very fortunate experience to work with a hyper growth company. I think everybody ought to do that at least once in their career. Uh, and, you know, and we were successful at the hyper growth for many, many years. Uh, and I, I, I realized I would not have been able to do that because the owner of the company had the ability to take that risk. And it, there was a part of it that just wasn't in my nature. I would have dialed it back to a much safer uh, and admittedly a much, much lower uh, you know, rate of return uh, as the company grew. Uh, but that, that risk, that ability to do something that makes you uncomfortable, that is, a, that is an interesting aspect I've never thought about in a sales professional. Well, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a scale, right? So there's, there's, the, there's two variables to it, right? There's the, the growth that you want and the timeline that you want to get there, right? So if somebody, somebody might hear that and think like, well, you know, if you scale fast, then you could lose it all fast, you know, and you, you may not have the infrastructure to support, um, you know, that that type of growth. But there's there's a there's a the fact of the matter is it's almost more uncomfortable to have that target and to grow slowly because it's almost like you're slowly <laughs> ripping off <laughs> yeah. the bandaid yeah. month by month, quarter by quarter, year by year. And it's like, man, like if I just could have just get to 10 million at the end of the year, I wouldn't have to think about this anymore. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> you know? Um, well, that trial but, and error is something that I've learned is, yeah, uh, yeah. is part of sales. And it's part of that growth mechanic is that, you know, some people, they, they, they hit something so fast and so hard, but they don't give it time to like mature and time to work on it. So I've seen this in churches. I've seen it in businesses and I've seen it in practice where like somebody gives something four weeks, Okay, if it doesn't work in four weeks, we're gonna we're gonna we're mm-hmm. gonna fast fail. And then when people say fast fail, that that's not mm-hmm. what they mean. You have to give the market time to adapt and understand and pick it up and then adjust. And so in my mind, that's part of the the sales process is that you have people calling it, people saying, Hey, here's what's going on. Hey, we're trying this new uh, we're trying this new lead, we're trying this new product. And then when the salespeople are on the phone, people are saying no. Well, why are they saying no? Is it because of price point? Is it because the the product doesn't look right? Is it a bad fit for the company? And then you look at your your model and you say, okay, let's make a tweak. Let's adjust. Mm-hmm. And so some of these things can take months to, mm-hmm. to adjust. Uh, some people take years to adjust and find that rhythm that they can get after. But other people, they just throw a product out there and immediately doesn't sell and they move on. And we've seen that in the tech world yeah, a number yeah, of times happens. where a really great product hit the market and the market didn't know or it wasn't sold right. For instance, like I, I like to go back to this. What was the first PDA? It depends on how old you are. So, <laughs> uh, so. Skip, do you know the first PDA? Well, Who made the first PDA? Pilot. I, I like the the, uh, the I what was the IPAC compacts version. We call them IPACs. Yeah, mm. that was my first experience with PDAs. All right, let's look at the timeline. But I think there's one before that. All right, I'm, I'm open to it. 
the Apple Newton. Okay. Well, that was so obscure that nobody knows about it. That's because that's because <laughs> who it's, wasn't at Apple point, in the nineties? Oh yeah, yeah. Who, who, who wasn't was at Apple in nineties? Anyways, the the point being is that, um, you know, I you've heard me say this all, all the time is like Palm Pilot came out with that PDA and they launched it. It sold amazingly because they sold people on a lifestyle they could have. If you have mm -hmm. a Palm Pilot, you're organized. Mm -hmm. But instead what happened was everybody started playing Bubble Breaker and we learned mobile games was a marketplace. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. the BlackBerry came out and said, let us show you how to do it right. You can be professional if you have one of these. We have a keyboard, we have all these things and those Palm Pilots are just slow. We'll fully integrate your entire business in your pocket. Fantastic. Um, but then out came the iPhone. Yeah. Again, again it, back to entertainment. Back yeah. to entertainment driven. People said, I can be professional and awesome, and I can play really cool games while I'm on the toilet. <laughs> and the salespeople <laughs> took off on that. You looked at it and it was like, it felt nice. It was this, it was this thing that made people want it. But on all three companies did a great job of marketing. They did a great job of selling it to a person because they, they changed somebody's lifestyle. But when we go back to the original ones, even with your, your compact, um, where, why doesn't anybody think about that? Like, unless you're a tech head like us, oh, yeah. you don't remember because they weren't yeah. sold. It wasn't that they were a bad product necessarily, but they just didn't sell that, you know, somebody didn't back it. And yeah. there's I been mean, a the lot of technology out of that was email. I had mobile email, yeah. but it really only when I was in the office, uh, you know, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was a very very niche deal that that didn't have the right the right sales focus for it. But yeah, you can tell. And go ahead. Well, and like to read between the lines on on those examples, even um, the 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 underlying theme around those few examples of what has succeeded in that particular industry and vertical was they were able to tell a story that resonated yeah. with the buyer yeah. in a way that, that resonated differently than what's previously been there. Um, I mean, Steve Jobs is obviously a, a mastermind behind this with the million songs in your yeah, pocket the, or whatever that it, was. And like the all of us remember from you know, he, he those, to this very, day, I remember those, those, uh, those commercials, like they yeah. just stick in your head, yeah, yeah. but he was thinking, he like had himself so wrapped up in the mind of his, of his buyer that it was so much less, it, like the buyer didn't even recognize yeah. that they wanted what yeah. he was about to sell them. You know, like he was, he was going to bring an innovation that they had a, a need and longing for that they didn't even recognize. <laughs> I think crazy. one of my, one it's of my favorite tech moments I, yeah. is, is pirates of Silicon Valley. And there was this moment mm. um, where Bill Gates is looking at the Macintosh with the mouse. And he says, I want this. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah, we all do. And he's like, I don't think you understand. I want this at the competing product. And he wanted it because it felt so good. Like when it fit a lifestyle, it fit part of him. It felt good. And then the, um, if we remember the, the eighties and the Macintosh, the sales on that, the marketing was insane and it made you want it mm -hmm. because it was cool and it was neat. And you had this mouse and, um, you know what? I don't need to be tied to a command line anymore. There's this graphical interface that I can look at. And so it, it spoke to me as a person 
this thing that I want. So and that's where I, I resonate with what you were saying earlier, Stephen, with, uh, you know, getting to know somebody and getting to know what they want so you can fit that lifestyle. And I, I feel like my yep. sales growth over the last uh, few years running this company has been um, alignment and showing people like, mm-hmm. this is what you could be if you work with us, mm-hmm. the, yep. you know, and sharing that dream with them, making them the hero of their story. And so they, yes, I want to be like that. That's the car sales. Car sales is my, is, is where everything I know about sales, I learned from car sales. Like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I'm going to go off on my tangent. Oh, boy. Uh, if you, yeah, Learn well, to unlearn, you look Adam. at you look at a car commercial, and what do you know about that car? Nothing. Nothing. You yeah. don't know what kind of fuel it runs on. You don't know any of the engine specifics. You don't know how fast it can go. What you know is that guy looks really cool. <laughs> that mo- that mom has a great life. Yeah. And so if you look at any crossover vehicle, and I, I despise crossovers, just so everybody knows, um, they have no use. Uh, <laughs> utility vehicles, pickups, and uh, uh, sedans. That's what you need. Anyways, um, yeah. <laughs> and so... Spoken like a true there we go. Yes. right but, there. Yes. Well, they, they, the crossover and those mid-sized sedans came out because they wanted to sell people on a lifestyle. People didn't want to drive minivans. Why? Because it didn't wasn't a sexy lifestyle. And so the salespeople came out with this great idea. Let's make cars that look good, drive nice, and make people want to drive them. And that's where those cars came from. They have no utility whatsoever, but they look really nice. And so that's, to me, the, the crossover vehicles are a fine example of where sales is very important because you don't have to have the best product. But if you can align with what people want, you can give them something and it'll sell like crazy. All right. So let, let me let me put Stephen on the spot here. All right. So my, my turn. Uh, so all this great stuff about salespeople. All right. Uh, so we've got an organization. You know, we're, we're running a company or whatever. Uh, how do we empower our sales team? What 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 does it take? I'm not talking about motivation. I mean commissions or stuff like that. I mean, what what are the maybe the soft benefits that we need to provide to our sales team so they can really exceed and, and do the things that you know everybody wants them to do. Yeah. Well, so the alignment sticks out in my mind um, that Adam mentioned for a few different reasons. One, I think it, there's there's really three different. Um, positions sales and marketing could be in with in a company one is the product is either non-existent or it's not going to deliver and they have a really great message and they're able to get that message but they have a message that resonates that that message resonates people buy but they don't Mm -hmm. it doesn't deliver you know because the product just is not there the alternative the direct opposite of that is a really great product like these original pdas that are <laughs> groundbreaking really you know a computer in your pocket compared to like you know the mainframe that took up the size of this room um but no thought to communicating that message properly and then when someone does and has the product so that third category of the product is solid it is like a really robust solves a need and then there's a story that's resonating with the buyer that has that need. 
that's that marriage is when you really see these inflection points you know like for instance microsoft with the personal computer and then apple with the computer in your pocket you know and then a lot of software businesses um so i think to empower your salespeople, um you know as like a owner of an msp for instance you know if they're if they're thinking about how to empower their salespeople, first and foremost, make sure that your delivery is rock okay. solid. Right. <laughs> you know, like if you if you have a good product, um, that is that's table stakes, really. The next piece, though, is how can you give tools to the salespeople to be able to tell the story effectively of what these products are going to do in the language of the buyer? instead of in your language, which will be product mm-hmm. language. You know, it'll be server specs. It'll be graphic memory card, you know, <laughs> information. But it's, but if you're able to communicate it to your, you know, the, the, to your salespeople and allow your salespeople to communicate it to your customers in a way that's going to resonate with them, that's going to change the game, you know, because then, then it's going to be very easy for somebody to gravitate to that storyline and take advantage of that, which means revenue into your business and you focused on a great product. So you're actually going to deliver something that's worthwhile for that customer, you know? Um, and as a salesperson, that's the best place. That's the best feeling when you sell something and then what you sell is delivered on. I mean, that is like yeah. the best when you, when you change somebody. <laughs> and as a business owner now myself being responsible for the delivery, it's like I find myself waking up two in the morning being like, you know what? I'm going to hit the ground running here because I just sold something and I need it to be delivered. Yeah, and I got to say, as, as a business owner, I love like I've got my I've got my Slack channels open. I've got my emails here and I love seeing the uh, deal closed, you know, or, you know, like, oh, cool. Somebody put oh, yeah. somebody fun and new to work with. And uh, and everybody's excited. We have a, we have a whole channel for that. And because um, we love our customers, we love our clients. We love the people that come in and we feel like, mm-hmm. you know, every time we win somebody over, it's like, oh, yeah you know, this is going to be great. We're going to watch them accelerate, watch them grow. And that's, and that's a beautiful thing. I'm going to let you put in a really quick plug here because you actually have your own podcast that you run. And so did you want to put a shameful plug, shameless plug in right now? That's right. Well, I was even going to ask, I was going to say, Hey, can I cross, uh, cross uh, promote this, uh, this episode on now? It's all about hamsters, uh, right? If I remember right, it's about (laughs) hamsters breeding and managing. Yeah, that's right. Yep. The type of the type of wood that you okay. put underneath right, them right. to collect their the music you, know. you play to encourage breeding <laughs> usually Barry White I hear. So, what is your podcast about? Tell us. Yeah, so but my podcast is called Business Over Breakfast, um, and the focus of the show honestly is a little bit selfish. It's to document the story of growing my or of building my business, um, and in a very transparent and honest way. Because I think one of the things that I recognized in starting a business is like the, oh, we've never had any doubts or, oh, I was never tired <laughs> or I was never like at yeah. my wits end, you know, I w- is just, it's just a load yes. of crap. Like <laughs> if you would have talked to those people as they were living through it, it would be a different story. And I've really gravitated as a business owner to the content that is transparent and contextual for like my actual phase uh, in my professional life. So that's really what the po- podcast is focused on is really a documentation around the the um, growth. And then I also try to pull out the transparent details of growing businesses for other entrepreneurs or, or salespeople 
Um, then I also, you know, I'm passionate about sales and marketing. So the third topic that I focus on is how to think about sales and marketing for a variety of different businesses and different industries. Um, because in reality, cash is king. And the only way you're going to get cash is through sales. Um, to keep the cash, you need skip, you know, <laughs> to, uh, to deliver effectively over time. But, uh, but that, that's a, that's a huge, huge area that I, you know, focus on on the podcast and it's fun. It's a, you know, a little, I'm going to throw out too. one of my ideas I had when I first became a parent and uh, I did, I did not do it. And I, I kick myself every day for not doing it. And it was all the things that I know about being a parent. I wanted to write them down before I had kids. <laughs> and then as I grew as a parent, I was going to cross them off and laugh at myself. And that was going to be my book. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's an honest approach to like, because we all have these ideas of who we want to be as parents. And we're honest about it. It's not meant to be funny. Like, here's who I'm going to be. I'm never going to do this thing. I'm always going to do this. And then as you become a parent, you're like, you just, you just break everything you thought you were going to be. <laughs> And I thought it would be really funny to see a book full of marked up, like, <laughs> you're a joke. So my, my advice to you right now is like, <laughs> you should write the book, like how to run a, how to start a business. And then in five yeah. over the oh, years, yeah. like go through with the red ink and mark it up and say, this is crap. Yeah. This is crap. This is crap. Yeah, that, that this is where I cried. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I lost all my customers <laughs> and just keep marking yeah, things exactly. down so that people see that ugly truth of, you know what? entrepreneurship, it's harder than you possibly can imagine. And there's nothing that can prepare you for it. The fact that there's entrepreneur degrees yeah. out there makes me laugh because mm -hmm. I it cannot does. imagine yeah, teaching somebody how to start a business. Yeah. Like how do you teach somebody to eat glass and stare into a garden <laughs> and then wake up in the morning and hop into your, there we go. your there office? We go. Yeah. You've done this before, haven't you? You're the... <laughs> I think I think there's a bunch of us who who started businesses and then lived through 2020, and mm -hmm. that are to yeah. the end of time going to have like this. Bond. Dude, I literally my business was incorporated the week before <laughs> lockdown. Like, like I literally went for the first time ever in my career went on full time in my own business the week before lockdown. There we go. There we go. <laughs> it was like talk about anxiety. Yep. And, and, that, and that's and that's sales. Like when no one is buying yeah. and you're mm -hmm. in you're you're starting a sales company, man, yeah. that is yeah. a dark abyss yeah. you're looking into. <laughs> well the the beautiful thing is sales is always uh, and and I think um, there's two things that are always a requirement in the market always is one sales and two good yeah. delivery, you know? So if you can, if you're, if you can shape your career around one of those two areas, the funny thing is, I mean, my, my customer had four X growth, you know, my initial customer four X growth last year, because it was like, okay, you know, this is all I'm going to focus on. Like I cannot <laughs> lose in yeah. this game right now. <laughs> like I literally can't, I, do I want to keep my house? You know, we just got pregnant. Like, do I want to make sure that I uh, can provide for a family? It's like, you got to make, make this happen. So I I think adapting is, is huge. And then leaning on what you know, whether that's delivery or sales, I, it really boils down to those two key areas. You well, know? to kind of circle back around, you know, I, I am uh, unfortunately uh, blindsided that uh, we have not thought about sales uh 
as you know a conversation or a podcast and it is really really important you know i did reach kind of one of those tipping point uh points uh at at an msp when i was working there and so i was the director of operations so you know we, we are technical we've got engineers we've got you know people certified and all different stuff and I do come to a point uh, where I'm looking there objectively and I have to consciously make the decision and, and recognize that if we're going to put a priority on it, yes, sales is more important than engineering. There, I said it. Okay, uh, I put it out there. All right. Uh, and oh no, you've just lost like I half may your have, listeners. I may Adam. have, you know, but because uh, the uh, we have to understand it without the sales aspect, you know, what we do on the engineering staff is just going to shrivel up and die. We have to have that sales engagement uh, to keep our businesses thriving. Uh, we will never just plant one seed and grow and and maintain that level. The whole analogy, if you're not growing, you're dying is absolutely true. And mm-hmm. and you're not going to be able to grow without some sort of sales element. So you, you can't ignore it. You, can, you can't be like Skip and, you know, go along all this line and, you know, be all happy-go-lucky and just ignore the whole sales component. Because if you don't have someone focusing intently on the sales process, you're going to set yourself up for a big disaster. Yeah, and that's, <clears throat> that's kind of the... You know, the, what's what's the English idiom out there? Sales is the second oldest profession. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And some people argue that it is the oldest profession. Mm. And so there's a reason why it's so important. It it's it's necessary. You you need to sell yourself when you're dating people. You need to sell yourself when you're running a company. You need to sell yourself when you're going in for interviews and corporate jobs. You have to sell your ideas for project management. You have to sell yourself all the time. And we we need to stop thinking of it as something that we do and it's just part of natural life. And we're yeah. always selling. It's just, what are you selling and, and who are you selling it to? How are you presenting yourself to others? How are you presenting your business? How are you presenting uh, your lifestyle. And so we do that by learning about other people, about what do they care about? Because if I start talking to you guys about my little ponies right now, you're probably going to gloss over unless you're a brony. <laughs> but if you're a fellow parent of daughters, uh, you know, we're going to be able to nerd out for a little bit. It, but and that's all about that relatability. So those of you who listened to Gina's podcast when she was on last fall, we talk about relatability and how that affects sales mm-hmm. and just getting to know who you're talking to and what they want to hear for sales. So that, not that you're telling them what they need to know, but you're like, oh, well, we have a solution for that. Or I would love to help you out and give you something that's gonna make your life better. And to me, that's sales. Yeah, and and you have to reframe your thinking uh, around around what, and, and Skip is touching on this, you know, it's it's a polarizing thing to, to say like, oh, it's more important probably, but, yeah. uh, you definitely need to reframe your thinking around it because um, it's really got to come from a place of like um, wanting to actually do what you're building the business around. You know, like if you actually want to be, you know, to serve your customers with their and, and take care of their IT needs and grow their business with, through enabling IT, then you actually need to reframe your thinking mm-hmm. around sales. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's the means, it's a means to the end of doing what you actually want to do. Um, 
and that uh, and but sometimes the devil's in the details there and it's in the in the process you know you gotta i think reframe that that thought process a little bit um around that and sometimes it's super helpful just to hire somebody to to have that that um that focus you know um and and that's totally fine too i think that's like a a level of like i'm going to be focused on what i'm good at and i need somebody else that's going to be focused on what they're good at i think the shift in my mentality came when i realized it's not about selling sand to somebody in the desert it's about selling water to the people who are in the desert without it and it's it's matching that need rather than getting the sale getting the cash it's about matching people with the right product that's going to help them further their goals and when you have salespeople in that mentality it's like oh well it's a win-win why wouldn't you buy and in that scenario sales is natural but you still have to get to know the person you still have to get on the same page as them and understand where they're coming from so you can look in your library of products and say is there a product for this person Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. And as a buyer, you want to purchase at a price point that is going to enable the business that you're buying from to deliver, you know? So that's the other, that's the other thing. Like some people will say, oh man, you're going to sell water to the thirsty. It was like, well, how do you think the water is going to get there? (laughs) You know, you got to hire people. You got to put it on trucks. You need the plastic to hold it. Like there's a, and then there's a level of, you need investment into the future to serve more Mm -hmm. people, you know? Um, so I, I, that's another reframing of somebody's mind of like, so often it's a race to the bottom, especially for something around IT where it could be seen as a cost. But if you're not willing to offer your services at a price point and in a way that's going to enable doing that for more people in an effective way, then you might as well close mm-hmm. down business because you're going to put yourself well, out of business, you know? Well- yeah, definitely. I think I think we can do a whole series on this eventually. Like, I feel like there's a lot more to talk about here. Like, what does sales mean to companies, and how how does like even if you're not in sales, if you don't believe you're in sales, like correcting that attitude, especially in an IT department where yeah. you know that you need to buy this server, you know you need to buy this asset to make things better. You've got to sell that to whoever's holding the purse strings. And so what are ways to do that? What are some mechanics around? So I would love to have you back on again, Stephen, made for a four-part series in the next couple of months. And awesome. we'll plan let's, that out. Let's yeah. do it. All right, thank that, you for well, coming on, Stephen. Do, yeah. do you have any parting words for us? Um, check out managedservicesplatform.com. It will enable your salespeople and your MSP to do exactly Sweet. what we're talking we about. Go. Thanks for the plug. We'll see you on next time, Stephen. Right, thank All you. right, thanks, guys. Thank you for joining us today. If you like our podcast, please subscribe, comment, and check out our Facebook page. Also encourage others who want to see IT transform to subscribe as well. We could always use your help.